0: What's going on, everybody? Leo Cannell here with today's Seven Figures Club podcast. And boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen, we've got a good one for you. I know you know, our audience is entrepreneurs, side hustlers, investors, those who are looking to get their money right. And that's uh, one of our keys in 2022, getting your money right. So in the name of getting your money right, we decided it would be super important to bring on an expert, a professional who has dedicated her life to helping business owners do that. We've got Amy Laliberte, and you know, I probably put an accent there that's probably not there, you but sure it did. sounds good to me, right? <laughs> How do you say that, Amy?
1: I say it La Liberty, but I like the way that you said it, so we're gonna okay. go with that.
0: <laughs> Amy La Liberté, and uh, she is the owner of my virtual CFO. Amy is a trusted profitability advisor to six and seven-figure business owners who are tired of being behind in their books and are ready to uncover blind spots course correct and ultimately get more profitable. Amy is also a certified life and money coach and works with business owners who see greater confidence and unwavering drive to attract and build wealth in their business and lives after working in nonprofit finance for over 16 years and helping more than 75 business owners since starting her own business. Amy knows how important it is to have steadfast trust in the person looking after your books. Amy, welcome to the show. There are over 32 million businesses in the U.S., and over 90% of them will never break seven figures in annual sales. So how do we as entrepreneurs or aspiring entrepreneurs break into that seven figures club? This podcast will relentlessly share the secrets, strategies, and tactics I've used to create three multi-seven figures businesses and bring in even more successful entrepreneurs than me to share their inspirational stories and tactics to success. You can create your dream business in life right now. So buckle up and let's go.
1: Thanks for having me, Leo. It's good to be here.
0: Well, we are excited to kind of dive into this. Before we do dive into all these areas of expertise that a lot of us as business owners struggle, we're always interested to kind of find out your background mm-hmm. and maybe you know find out who was Amy in high school and what were some of the you know things that happened, events in your life that led you down this path of entrepreneurship?
1: Yeah, sure. So, Amy, in high school, I was a lot of fun. Um, But um, before I talk about like my years in high school, I I grew up with a fascination with money. So, like this dates way back to like being in the attic of my childhood house, writing checks like using my parents' actual checkbook. Um, So, like I was (laughs) always like fascinated with how money is, how it transacted, how it was made. Like all of it. And um, so, I mean, I had a job, I was like, I delivered newspapers at an early age, and I was constantly like making money, right? Through high school and everything. And then when it came time for college, um, there was just such a shift in my personal life with my parents, um, that their financial situation changed. And as a result of which Mm -hmm. it was, I was faced with um, paying for my own college education. And so um, while I had this very fun relationship with money, up until like I was 18, it became very real because I needed to understand things like promissory notes and and things that I think everyone should understand, but they're not really like attuned to it because it's just not like, it's not prioritized, right? So um, from the time I was 18 till about 20, I made so many different financial mistakes, like maxing out credit cards, not understanding all these different things. And I was mortified at the time, And I am like, now I'm 43, all these years later, I'm like, I'm so grateful for having like sort of like that experience because I learned so much about how like my relationship with money, how like there can be these like actions of like overspending and doing all these different things. If like, you're not aligned with your money and like your money story is not locked in and dialed in. And so I really like, like took the time to figure all of that out and then got out of college and then just have always been in finance, um, which led to like a career for 16 years doing different sorts of financial um, analysis and building out businesses um, and organizations and creating massive results for them. When I realized that during that time, um, so many people that I worked with were small micro businesses. And when I, and to define that, $5 million or under, Um, And they did not have a relationship with money and not be like, maybe some of it was avoiding, but other times it was just that they got into business to do the thing that they wanted to do for the business. They weren't interested in like the financials. And so like, I just saw that as an opportunity to like, take all of my skill and knowledge, create my own business and then help business owners create a relationship with money through like really healthy, modern financial systems. So that's what I've been doing since 2016. And I've helped create massive results for my clients with it's like just creating the relationship with money, scaling their businesses, and just having this, like being like reinvigorated with their business because they have an understanding of their financials, because I'm part of their team to help facilitate that.
0: Amazing. Well, there's a lot to unpack there, Amy. Let's mm-hmm. start kind of the beginning. So you were entrepreneurial doing that uh, that paper route and doing some of those entrepreneurial things in school. You're going to college, you're super excited. There's a big change in your family's finances. And so you're kind of ha- have to take on that big burden of how am I going to finance my life? How am I going to mm-hmm. finance and take c- cover all these costs in college? You're doing a lot of things. And I actually that's great. I mean, it, you don't, you, don't, you hate to have to make mistakes, but it's so good to actually learn those mistakes when you're younger, you know, mm-hmm. 18, 19, 20, 21, so that when you're you know getting in into your later years, you're starting in a much better position and you kind of learn through the school of hard knocks very, very quickly. I'm curious, what do you think in our school system, and there's a lot to talk about what's lacking, but what are some of the specifics with credit and finance that you think some of our school system really is dropping the ball on?
1: Well, I just think in general, like basic financial literacy and the US public education system is largely absent. Um, And, and so when it comes down to just like, like learning about basic finances, like to even go one step further back, I think in general, like humans are weird about money. And like, there's three different reasons for that. The first reason is, is that we're told we're not allowed to talk about it. And like, So then like, we can't talk about it. So then we're like, okay. So when we do talk about it, we're weird about it because we're not supposed to be talking about it. So this taboo subject, the second part is that because we don't have this education system that's giving us even just like foundational, like information, we are then like left to go home and see how people transact with money. And if you are like, so then you're observing it from where there's people that have like, maybe they have really healthy um, money management um, habits and everything, and maybe they don't, but it's, you're not seeing like a full perspective of it. So like the lack of education from a public education system, we're left to come and observe what we have going on in our household. And so when it's like, again, you know, like, again, we don't talk about money, you know, that just sort of fuels it. And then finally, when it comes time to like being like, you know, like when you go off to college and then, you know, where there's student loans, there's like this thing that you take on. There's just this lack of understanding of like, what does it mean to have interest? What is it? What is compound interest? When you're signing to take out the debt, do you collectively know that like if you're going to amass $60,000 in debt, And you want to be a public educator and like the average salary for a public educator, is $45,000. Like it's going to take you a long time to pay that back. And there's no one giving like just the like fundamental math around that. So it's just this like collection of stuff that like leaves people like out of alignment with their money, not because like they're, they might be avoiding it, but they're avoiding it because there's no, there's no conversation and context around it.
0: I mean, it's just mind-boggling to me, right? You know, from the time you're little, from the time my, my son, who's now 18 years old and is uh, completing his first year of college, fortunately, he got a four-year scholarship, but from the time he's little, oh, go to college, go to college, go to college, and 95% go to college and, you know, you're 18 years old, why don't you take out sixty dollars to $100,000 in student loan debt? And then study, find, you know, majors that are going to lead, like I said, $45,000, $60,000 a year jobs, and you still have to make a living, pay taxes, find somewhere to live after college, and you've got that massive student debt burden, and you've got trillions of dollars in student loan debt, and all these millennials who are having to delay starting their lives because they've got this noose around their neck that nobody taught them or educated them about. And it comes back to return, right? What kind of return can you generate from that education? And that's where there's a big, you know, big gap there in, the, in that education process. And the thing that always stupefies me is you'll see somebody who, you know, is an expert, has built a seven-figure business, and then they create a course. Maybe you create a course about uh, getting your money and finance and you help all these business owners, and your course is three or four or five thousand dollars. And what's the first thing? Oh, that's a scam. That's a scam. And yet, and yet 95% of the population is happy to have an 18-year-old go and take out a hundred thousand dollars in student loan, and they have no idea what the hell they're doing. Right. No idea how they're gonna pay it back, no idea what the ramifications are, what the interest Mm -hmm. is, and and what that career they're choosing. And they might probably half of them. Or going into a career that has nothing to do with that education.
1: Exactly, exactly, for sure. I mean, it's definitely like, that's the pathway that it goes down. And it's not to say like, you know, do you or don't you go to four year, like go get a four year education or not. It's just about like, just the context around the fact that we're just like going through life, checking boxes in order to like, do what we're supposed to be doing when we don't stop to think like, okay, what is it that we really want to do? Like, what, what does it mean to have an intentional life? Which like. I don't think any 18-year-old, I have a 16-year-old. Like, I, I don't think that's like the like the forefront of her mind. It's more of like, you know, like prom and whatever. <laughs>
0: <laughs> for sure it is.
1: So, yeah.
0: Yeah, unbelievable. Well, let's talk about some of these, you know, fascinating uh, topics. It's so One of the topics you teach business owners is the importance of separating your self-worth from your bottom line. And for me, that's really hard to do. How do you do that?
1: So I think that we, I think that with business owners, we become so attached to our businesses because it's almost sometimes like an extension of our, our identity as like a human, oh, yeah, like as a person, right? Sure. But when we decide, when we are able to just intentionally say, okay, there's me, the person, and then there's me, the CEO of this business. And when I'm pulling the financials and I'm reviewing them, um, these numbers, are all neutral, like the the numbers are neutral on the paper, it's our thoughts about them. That is that is what really starts to to create the consternation. And like the, the feelings that like drive the actions that create the results, right? So if we already have this thought that, okay, we had a loss on our books for the month, and we think our business is failing, You're going to feel some sort of like negative emotion, like scarcity, fear, whatever. And then what are you going to do? Then you're going to start to maybe overspend. You're going to invest on like trying to find solutions to it. So you're going to throw money at the problem, money that you don't have. Um, And then you're going to start to think like, I don't know what I'm doing. And you're going to look for answers outside of yourself. And you're going to think that you're not enough when in fact your self-worth has absolutely nothing to do with the bottom line. That number is neutral. Your worth is always intact. That is it. That is your birth rate period. And if we can just separate that and understand that what the number is, this is just information. This is a data point that I can take and choose to take information and say, okay, I'm going to make a different plan. I'm going to pivot. I'm going to course correct. I'm going to make these changes. I'm going to ask more questions. But I'm not going to use this as a weapon against myself to say, like, I am like a complete loser when it comes to finance. And I am like the worst CEO. When we have that kind of negative self-talk and we are using like our financials for it, it doesn't serve us. It doesn't create the best version of yourself as the CEO. And it will not create the best version of yourself as just like an individual, because you're if you're totally wrapped up in all of this. So, yes, it is like business. Like for me, I do think that for businesses and especially the ones that I work with, business does feel personal, but it doesn't mean that your worth is tied into the results that you create in your business. Those are totally separate.
0: No question about it. And guys, everyone listening, if you're getting started, if you're trying to build that empire up, we'll keep this in mind you know, the 32 million businesses in the US, half of them will never break $100,000 a year in sales. 95% of them will never break seven figures in sales. So the fact that you're in business and over $100,000 in sales is very good news. You're making a lot of progress. And now it's, you know, it's, it's not you trying to figure everything else out, but get a professional on your side, someone who's helped businesses like Amy, to help you get your money right and get you profitable. Now, one of the things you talk about is the importance of you intentionally choosing the clients you want to work with instead of just working with whoever comes by. Why is that so important?
1: Well, because if, if you just decide that you're going to work with anybody who comes in And they are aligned with like your values. If they're not aligned with how, like if it's not a good match, you're doing a disservice to yourself as well as to them because you will not show up and you will not be the type of person that they need you to be because it's a misalignment. And so whenever I do um, uh, uh, consultations with prospective clients, I'm interviewing them as just as much as they're interviewing me. And I know that if you are just starting out, trying to create whatever it is that you know it's like you probably are just going to want to work with whoever you want and you know if you want to do that so you get the experience like know that that's why you're doing it but if you also feel like there's not an alignment with like that client that prospective client you do have capacity and agency to say no thank you and when you do that and you release those clients more will come your way and I, I think that that's really like, that like sounds like kind of out there and a little wooey, but what I have never not seen it happen. If I know that I'm working with someone, um, especially when I was just starting out and they weren't aligned with my business, it was draining my energy. And I was not like, And and if I wanted to do that, I would just work a nine to five job. Like this is like, This is a lot of like work, like fulfilling work, but it's a lot of work and energy to have your own business and to do all the things. So, I want to be able to, like, I love my clients. I love every single one of them. I'm so excited about everything that they're looking to create. I want that energy for all of my clients. If I ever don't feel that way, then that means that I need to take a time out and decide whether or not that's a good fit for me anymore. And I invite you to feel the same way because they will, like, they, I think clients like will feel that, and they 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 deserve to be working with people that are aligned with who they want, like that are that are in love with their business and everything is aligned with them.
0: Amen. Well said. Like this is so important, everybody. Uh, I always say that all money is not good money, right? Just because money's coming in from a customer or client that's not the right fit absolutely right. Amy's right. It will absolutely take all your time and literally cost you 10 or 20 times the amount of dollars that you could have gotten from clients that were the right fit and yet you waste all this time and energy, you get frustrated, you're in, you know, you're just doing a bunch of busy work, working with someone who's not the right fit for you. It's just, you have to be very intentional and define who is your dream client that you want to work with. And then by defining that and being able to say, no, we're not a good fit, now you become a, a, at a different level where you're not saying yes to everybody and you're going to attract higher quality, better quality clients and so forth. Amy, beautiful points. Now it's time to talk about one of your passion points, which is also my, one of mine. It's called Profit First. Probably some of you guys have heard about this concept. Let me bring it to life for you. Uh, a, a business funding company I started, uh, boy, it was about six, seven years ago. And uh, started, it. we grew really fast. And we went from zero to 50 employees in a couple of years, zero to $10 million in sales and like um, you know, three years we have growing really fast, but we didn't have the right values and principles. I brought on, you know, other partners that didn't share, you know, what I knew it was going to take, they didn't keep their word. But the biggest issue was like we were profitable the first half, and then we started literally, we've got this business that's doing half a million dollars a month, and yet I'm losing money, I'm not making money. And a lot of it was the way I built it in the foundation. So I just want to now in my current business. We've done everything completely different. We've understood this concept of profit first. Amy, teach us more. Teach us about this concept of profit first and why business owners get, get lost in the clouds on this concept so badly. And I was so guilty of it.
1: Yeah. So profit first is, well, first of all, it's a book written by Mike McCallowitz. And it's this concept, it's a cash flow management system. And so it sits on top of your bookkeeping and um, your accounting system. So it doesn't replace it, which I think is really important. And the whole idea of it is, is that we will use what we have available to us to create, to, to manage our business. And so when we turn around and we take the equation of sales minus expenses equals profit and flip the expense and the profit and say sales minus profit equals expense, expenses, we're taking our profit first, and we are immediately fundamentally changing the way that we manage our business. If we know that we are profitable from the get go, we're able to take what we have left over to then manage the business. And what it does is it creates a lot of intention and responsibility behind like understanding how the cash comes in and out of the business. Because if there's only this pot of money for you to use for expense purposes, you start to create very intentional decisions, and you are able to see maybe where the blind spots are in the business that you may not have seen prior to that. Usually um, with working with clients, with implementing profit first, there are like a few things that happen. Usually it's, it's that their personnel costs are too high. And it's usually because they have like They have either too many employees or they have employees that are in the wrong positions. So really like trying, like that just helps give you information so that you can make different adjustments in your business so that you can maximize the profitability. If you are someone who has taken on debt in your business and paying down debt is your priority, you can then, you can prioritize that. And as the owner, you are paying yourself consistently because again you are like managing your money in this very intentional way that is that is putting expense at the end rather than at the front
0: no question about it and there's almost this concept of oh it's so it's the right thing to do to bootstrap and to not pay yourself any money and oh i'm just going to reinvest in the business and that's a really cute idea until three years later you look back and you're like wow i'd actually be making more at a regular nine to five job than i am with this business that's supposed to be creating value and it's because you started it the wrong way not on a foundation of profit first of saying hey my profits are going to be this this is what it's going to be and now i've got to fit my sales and expenses around that and what happened for me is i lost so much control in my previous business that I never really knew where we stood except what was happening in the bank account. And what I've seen so many business owners do is they really don't know. I don't know if I'm profitable. I just know there's some money in the bank and I need to pay some bills. I'm just gonna take it out. But when you are managing your books right and you have a CFO or a virtual CFO like you helping you to do that on a weekly basis, I'm looking at my profit loss and oh good. We're winning this week. We're winning this month. I know what we did last month. I know what we've done for the quarter. I know what our trends are. I know what categories of expenses where you know we're seeing an increase or where it's not really creating value and income and profits in the business. I need to get rid of that expense and so many important factors that if you don't think about profit first, I, I promise you, you'll you'll just spin your wheels and be so frustrated. And this uh, this beautiful game of entrepreneurship will get very ugly. So profit first. Must be part of that, no question about it. Let's talk about bank accounts and entities. There's a lot of confusion about this, and and you've got some really unique concepts on bank accounts and entity creation and and planning for taxes. How does it work? If I'm a business owner, I'm like, dang, Amy, help me out. How do you help them out? And how can you know an audience member and an entrepreneur work with you? Like, what what? How does this work with entities, bank accounts, and working with you?
1: So in terms of like an entity, what that means is just like your legal framework, right? So like, are you like a sole proprietor? Are you an LLC? Are you a C corp? And then like the S corp, are you someone who like identifies with the IRS as an S corp and defining all what that means? And with, when it comes to that part of it, it's just, it's, it's worth like making sure that you identify yourself so that if you're either legal entity where you're an S corp identified that you're making sure that you're in compliance with that. So like understanding what that is, because oftentimes when people start their businesses, they probably go to a friend who's an attorney and they say, well, I'm starting a business and they're like, do this. And so they don't really know what they're doing. They're just taking the advice. And so like really getting clear on what that means would be really like important for you So, so that's part of what like the educational building that, that I, that that happens the next thing is that about like the the financials and, and just like understanding what the financials are saying. So oftentimes there's like, like clients, like they understand that they have to do the books, but they view the books as like, I need to do the books because I have to file my taxes. And I'm there to say like, no, like we're like the, the numbers Thank you. helps Thank you. leverage the information so that you can make decisions around your business in real time. This is not like a means to file taxes. And if that's your thought on it, you're missing such an amazing opportunity to create scale and growth in your business faster. So then it's like really raising the awareness around that. And then the last piece in terms of like the bank accounts and everything, if you are somebody who is always fearing that, the, like, that you don't have enough money saved for taxes, we can create accounts for you so that we say, okay, you get paid, an invoice gets, gets paid. We are going to allocate those percentages out so that you always have profit. You always have money going in as an owner's pay. You have money going in for taxes. So when the year comes around and you have to pay taxes, it's not, oh my gosh, I don't have money for it. It's like, no, I have the money saved this was allocated intentionally for that, so it's really just becoming a very mature entrepreneur, CEO, and by doing so, like you're just you're going to scale faster because you're not going to be taking up headspace and energy of worrying about your financials because it's already laid out for you.
0: Well said, Amy. I really really like those uh, points. That's super important in terms of understanding your entity setup and and. How all of that uh, concept work, and yeah, you're not doing bookkeeping for taxes. Yes, that's something we do once a year. You're doing it so that you know where your financial position is as an entrepreneur, as a business owner. And when I started keeping track of that, knowing on a weekly basis how we were doing, everything in my in my life changed as an entrepreneur. So, so happy that you're you're teaching people about that. Um, you know, what are your thoughts uh, in terms of creating business financial goals and and creating money management systems like as a business owner, what should I be thinking about when I'm setting these goals and, and what should my system look like?
1: So, I'm gonna answer the second question first and then I'll answer the money goal question. So, the second Perfect. question is the money systems. What I find happens so often with businesses that are just starting out is they they find themselves like, they think of themselves as like a baby CEO. And I just invite you to just remove that thought process from your mind, because we are not going to set up money systems based on the business that you have today. We are building the foundation for where your business is heading. And so like from the get-go, I see so many business owners that are like, oh, we're just going to track things in an Excel spreadsheet. And I'm like, you are doing yourself such a disservice because what you can be doing is Building out the framework of the bookkeeping money management system so that when you scale yourself to the point when you're ready to bring in somebody like a CFO or a bookkeeper, you're looking to outsource it, you're going to be in such good positioning because you've already done the groundwork. And that's super important. So, making sure that you take, like, you really honor yourself as a CEO, not as a new CEO, like, really understand the framework of the money systems and what you should be doing. In terms of tracking all of that and how you can step into the role of CEO and CFO like when you're just starting out that will pay you dividends immediately. When it comes to money goals and, and just financial goals in general, what I find happens is that there's a couple of different ways that I, I like to do it. The first way that I, I, I like to do it is look at like good, better, best goal, goals. And so I want to see where you are right now. And I always set that as a good goal. And the reason why is because there's nothing like in terms of like, there's a mindset piece to setting financial goals. And what it, what it really is about is that wherever you are, whatever you're creating right now, Your mindset is like locked in. This is like part of your self concept as the CEO. If you're the person doing sales, you can create those results. And if you can do them consistently, like that's a really solid, good goal because that's something that you're like, okay, this is as good as done. I can create this result. Then we get to better goals. And this is where we start to stretch. And this is where maybe some of the mindset work starts to come in. Maybe we need to do an adjustment of pricing in order to create greater margins, profit margins in order so that you can like start to bring on somebody or start to build out your team a little bit more or expand on, 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 on an offering. So that's where we start to do that. And then your best goal is really like a further out, like, like high, like, like stretch goal for yourself. And it's designed as a way for you to see the future. So you can start working towards stepping into that future version of yourself as a CEO and to start building and scaling your business into that next level. And when you're able to see that in those three different areas, you're able to say, okay, I have like, I have sufficiency in this good goal. I know I can create this. I feel stability and I can proceed. The better, good, better, better goal. I can do this. I know that this is going to stretch me a little bit, but I feel like it's within reach. And then the best goal is, gosh, this is like going to like, this is mind blowing. This is a little uncomfortable. I'm not sure, but I'm willing to take the steps towards in that direction. So there's that way of money goal creation, but I always invite my clients to think about what they need personally in order to like create these goals. Because I think that I believe that like a C- CFO for me, my job is to be the advocate for the owner and to make sure that they're taken care of and their families are taken care of. So that what does that look like? What does your take home look like? And do we have the business in place in order to create that result? If we don't, then that's really what the goal has to be framed around because that's where we need to get you. And then we can go to scaling, but really looking at all the different ways in which we're creating our results in order to create the future goals is sort of like, it, it's, it's a little bit of a like a nuanced process because we need to take the owner's priorities into consideration in order to create that structure.
0: No question. So kind of unpacking that, guys, you've got to have that right money management foundation, understanding, you know, where your profitability is from a daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly, annual basis. Then you've got goals. You've got uh, good goals, better goals, and best goals that are really going to you know, clarify your mission as a business owner. And then, of course, uh, now you've got that all put together. And I know there's a lot of people listening, Amy, who are thinking, wow, this is actually what I really need. I've got a great product or service. I'm passionate about my clients, my business. But this money management and understanding the numbers and pivoting when I need to to prosperity and understanding what that looks like, not good at that. That's why I need, but I, I feel like I can't afford a CFO. How can I work with Amy and, and her CFO team?
1: Yeah. So um, what I want to also say is when you say something like that, and someone says, "I this is just outside of my reach, I just invite you to just consider retool that thought to say, this is unfamiliar, but you can make it familiar and you can make it familiar by by starting to like lay the groundwork towards like, maybe the ultimate goal is to have someone like me to be the person that does all the things. Right. But in the meantime, you can start to make it familiar by just up leveling and educating yourself around it. And so like for like the way that I work with clients in that space is through my program called the finance edit. And it is a Um, start to finish process where it's the bookkeeping, you learn how to do the bookkeeping, and then you learn all the things that you need to do to, to know in order to be a really solid CEO and to also have a relationship with the money so that when the time does come for you to To bring on a team member or to outsource it, you're not doing so from a place of abdication. You're doing a do it from a place of intentionality, and that you can sit at the table and have a financial conversation because you know the numbers and you've already like flexed that muscle and you already know exactly what it what what needs to happen and what the numbers are and what are the metric points that you need to look at. So that it would be what I would recommend is that like. Finding a program that is able to teach and uplevel your financial literacy, because that is what CEOs need more than anything. They need to have solid financial literacy in their tool belt in order to scale their business to whatever money goal they have.
0: So to basically say it's as an excuse, as a cop out, oh, no, that's not what I'm good at. That's why I bring someone in. You have to get good at it. You have to take that thing that maybe doesn't come naturally and, and make it something that you get educated. And it's like anything else, the more you do it, the stronger you're going to get at it. And a lot of it is, I think, just reviewing the numbers and understanding where am I overspending how can I increase profitability? Where's the true value in business? And then a lot of it probably is what you're doing as a business owner. Are you doing the $15 an hour jobs when you should be doing the $50, $100 an hour jobs? Like a lot of business owners, I feel like get stuck with that. Let's kind of end this podcast with uh, one of the most powerful, impactful um, parts of your message, which is the FIRE message. So tell us what uh, these, uh, what this FIRE concept is and it's really what every business owner I think dreams of
1: yep it's uh, financial independence retire early and um, there's a lot of like information out there about fire and everything and what I have taken from this like from all of my learning and implementation of it is that when you are creating your financial independence you're defining what that looks like and what what I mean by that is that you could be someone who is creating, financial independence in baby steps. So that could very well mean that you are, like you have an enough number set in your life, but for the lifestyle that you wish to have, there isn't enough number that you wish to create in your business. And when you do that, that is financial independence. And for me, retire early, that RE side of it, it's so critical that you're putting money towards the retirement for like the long-term for the future. And that if you're able to start that earlier, you're going to be able to leverage the the beauty of compound interest in order to like create more and more and more money because you're giving it time to grow. Um, At the same time, I also view the retirement early as something where it's when you are creating an aligned business and a business that is intentional, that creates the financial results that you desire for the lifestyle that you desire, you are, in a sense, retiring early. Even though you might not be like, you might not be working everything, but if you know that if your enough number is X and you're able to create that in six months, you get to retire for six the, the second six months of the year. So there's always that opportunity for you to define what that means based on like your definition and how you define your success and how you define like what financial freedom means.
0: Exactly right, guys. So you're kind of reverse engineering where you want to go. And you're beginning with the end in mind, you know, from the seven uh, habits of highly affected people by Stephen Covey, if you begin with the end in mind, and you're intentional, and you define that well, now I actually have a chance to get to the problem is, most of us get so busy and bogged down in the business, we never actually define where we want to get to. And when you can define it, then you can take action towards it. Then you can, you know, get expertise. You can, you know, have people who are experts in different fields help you out with that and have a shot at uh, getting there. Fire concept, financial independence, retire early, and defining what that looks like and being intentional with it. Well, amazing content and so many value bombs that you've dropped on us today, Amy. I'm sure the audience will be listening to this one over and over again, taking notes. But specifically, how can they connect up with you and, you know, take advantage of these programs and concepts?
1: Yes. Yeah, so if you head to my website, myvirtualcfo.co, um, you'd be able to see all the things that are happening there, um, as well as on Instagram at my virtual CFO. Um Um, just to, to see what I've been up to and doing all the things. And so I'm really excited. If you have any questions, um, just let me know. Um, I'm sure that your, my contact information will be in your show notes. And, um, and I'd love to be able to, to hear what questions you do have in order to get you from where you are to where you want to be
0: exactly right guys so go to myvirtualcfo.co that's myvirtualcfo.co and then of course you can connect on instagram with myvirtualcfo what a great uh, handle that is and if you send her messages on instagram i hear she's really good at responding to those and harnessing these concepts and getting your money right as a business owner financial independence retire early Amy, thank you so much for being a guest on the podcast. Really appreciate it. Thanks
1: for having me.
0: Are you looking for more seven-figure secrets, content, or even how you can launch your own recession-proof business? Then check out sevenfigures.com. That's the digit seven, F-I-G-U-R-E-S.com, where we share more videos, stories, strategies, funding solutions, entrepreneurial education, and even the secret business type that's recession proof Thank you for listening, and if you're finding value in our podcast, please give us a five-star and invite others to join the club.